0: The laws are really hard to enforce, and then retaliation is really effective against people. Like something like eighty percent of whistleblowers experience retaliation at work. Um, so you might be you might be that one in five who doesn't who, do, who do, doesn't doesn't go down for this. But the number of stories you hear about the number of, the number of organizations that go after people for blowing the whistle in ways like this—it's viewed as a threat. Um, you're you know you're not going to get uh, a, a, fair, a fair hearing.
1: Hello and welcome to Here in LA, North University Park Edition. Today, we talked to Zachary Ellison. Zachary is a journalist, a Trojan, and a whistleblower. He spent years at USC as a student and then as a staffer. When he saw something was wrong, he called it out and was summarily terminated. He also closely watches local politics and convincingly intertwines the two. He also knows a bunch about the neighborhood that encompasses USC in South Central. So let's welcome Zachary. Hey, everybody. We are here with Zachary Ellison. Hey! Hey. (laughs) Zachary is a writer and a, uh, would you call yourself an activist? Activist and a journalist. And a journalist. And a whistleblower. And a whistleblower who spent uh, many years working at USC and and that's where you blew the whistle. Correct. Well, let's just get right into it. What did sure. you blow the whistle on you? Does USC need a whistle blown on them? It seems like they have enough scandals that are just coming out. Did they? Yes, they do. They need whistleblowers. Yes. <laughs> okay.
0: um, you know, there's, there's always the story that gets out right. And then there's the inside story of, of what's happening. And, I mean, perhaps the um, USC's had a, had a number of scandals. And in fact, it's almost become scandalized um, in a lot of ways. And, and, and certainly one of the things you hear people talk about is how many scandals the USC has and how they can't keep track of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were there and you uh, lived through that time and, and you did so in a you know, pretty high position like I did, you learned a lot of very interesting things about USC and about the city of Los Angeles too. What years were you at USC? I was a graduate student um, and student worker from 2013 to 2015, um, and then there was there was a, a gap, and then I went to work for USC from October of 2015 to August of 2022. Oh, up until recently. Yeah. Uh, what were your jobs at USC? I was, um, as a student worker, I worked for the USC Good Neighbors campaign in University Relations, um, which fundraises from USC staff and faculty to support university community partnership programs. So you programs. would... You would- Call up alumni and say we need money. We would um, target mostly the faculty and the staff. We would do newsletter um, uh, predominantly. I would send out uh, emails to sixteen thousand faculty and staff. Um, we would we would um, that as sort of a principal form of fundraising, and then so, so it, usually raised about a million plus a year um, that we would direct towards community programs. So you
1: would write current staff and faculty, correct? And shake them down for money to give back to their Correct. employee? It's, uh, employer? It, it came out of the uh, 1992
0: uh, Rodney King riots, actually. USC decided to do something different. So USC's um, solution was to do um, kind of its own United Way program, but just for the neighborhoods um, around U- uh, both University Park campus mm. and then over um,
1: uh, Boyle Heights to around uh, the Health Sciences campus over there as well. Interesting. All right, so you'd shake down the staff for a million bucks a year. And whenever you got donations off of your newsletters, your bosses would say, great job, man. Yep. All right. So what else did you do over there? Um, I went to work for the office of the provost in
0: 2015. I went to UC Santa Barbara. Yep. I don't know what a provost is. A provost is the second highest ranking officer of the university. He is the senior vice president for academic affairs. Hmm. He's essentially the chief academic officer, and his job is to oversee the operation of the university and uh, campus life, too, as well.
1: And so what, what uh, typical duties did you have uh, supporting him?
0: Um, I was assigned to support the Vice Provost for Academic Operations, um, so my job was very focused on nuts and bolts. Um, hiring deans, reviewing them, um, bringing unique programs to USC, supporting partnership programs, um, veterans programs. Um, we did a great program with the Hispanic Scholarship Fund. I, I helped um, build a biomedical sciences building. I coordinated literally all of the construction meetings. And Hmm. then, of course, um, USC has made various um, reform efforts over the years to try to address its scandals. So I was I was smack dab in the middle of a lot of that. The
1: provost had to help uh, smooth that, that out. Correct. Okay.
0: It, you know, it really really goes back to um, 2016. Was kind of really when it started uh, going sideways with Carmen Puyofito, the former dean of the School of Keck Medicine, who infamously got caught using drugs and uh, and had a mistress and uh, unfortunately an infant who di- uh,
1: died. Yeah, um, not yeah. Not only did he do drugs, but according to Paul Pringle's book, Bad City. He provided her Correct. with a bunch of drugs. Even after she overdosed in Pasadena, he would bring drugs to her at rehab. And he was able to get into L.A. County Jail to go visit um, people like
0: this too. Um, it's certainly something that's never been uh, fully investigated how yeah. he was able to access a facility like that. It's crazy, like uh, crazy. <laughs> and so, and so, um, I, you know, you know, b- big hot water, um, for USC. And so, I volunteered, um to help support the president of the academic senate and the president of the USC staff assembly in leading the um, reform task force which was called the task force on workplace standards and employee wellness Um, nothing opaque there Um, but it was a group of faculty and staff who began looking at ways that we could better monitor doctors ensure better communications ensure people had better reporting options to go to and then um, of course um, George Tyndall happened, um, the infamous uh, gynecologist at the USC Student Health Center, who um, has allegedly abused thousands of women. And well, is it, is it
1: still alleged? I mean, didn't he didn't uh, USC have to pay out like a, a USC, billion bucks? USC
0: paid out over one point one billion dollars <laughs> in legal settlements over the course of two two, two settlements and. Mm-hmm. Um, but to date, um, not a single person has gone to jail. Um, George Tyndall is not on trial. Even. I didn't know that. Correct. He is um, still in preliminary hearings. He's a free man. He is still a free man. He has been on, um, out on bail on bond since, I believe, um, 2020. He was arrested in June of 2019 by the LAPD. Um, originally, I believe it was 23 felony charges relating to sexual abuse, and
1: then they added 12 more for a total of 35 felonies. Has Has... Okay, so SC paid off all these these victim women. Uh, these alleged, I guess we have to well, say, I, these alleged he, victims. Um, they didn't admit any fault. It has SC um, said anything nasty about him. Um <laughs>
0: Rick Caruso has been very critical of uh, of George Snelli's. During the campaign, he would say that George needed to go to jail right away very insistently. I mean, Rick Rick, Rick obviously morally did not approve of what happened. I don't think anybody Mm -hmm. um, should have, but the legal defense mechanism of the university— to try to avoid holding people accountable for ignoring these reports, and then, too, to try to limit the payout and, 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 and the reach of the story has really continued into overdrive. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't like hearing from victims that they're concerned that the criminal justice system is failing them here, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're insane. Um, what, you know, One of the first things that happened um, after George Tyndall was uh, the, then uh, District Attorney of uh, Los Angeles County, Jackie Lacey, went to USC. And she met with then um, interim president Wanda Austin. And in fact, there's even a picture you can still see of them together on Twitter saying what a good relationship USC has um, with, with, with the district attorney's office. And so victims um, have pointed to this, um, you know, as proof that Jackie Lacey, who's also a USC alum had a conflict of interest and sought to downplay and slow um, the gravity of the charges and, and the process. And, I wish I was getting a different vibe from George Gascon, um, totally. I have been bugging his spokesman um, for, for, for the dates and to try to get some clarification about what's happened. Mm-hmm. But there were no preliminary hearings that took place between June of 2022 and November of 2022. The preliminary hearings stopped for, for, for that entire period around the election, and then they restarted in December of 2022, and now they're continuing. Is
1: Georgia Georgian as well? George was not a Trojan alum, if I recall. Should should we believe that Trojan alum will be loyal to their college? I mean, I love UCSB, but yeah. if, But if somebody did something terrible, I would. It's I, been very
0: painful for the USC community mm-hmm. um, to to endure this. Um, I, for one, know people who have been personally victimized um, by him, who I worked with um, as a student, mm-hmm. and. I, I've gone to parties and I encounter people who are victims there too. Mm-hmm. And I, to the extent that I, I you know, t- accepted that there was some responsibility, at least for the university to make the changes that it agreed to with the government, um, laser focused on that resolution agreement with the US Department of Education Office for Civil Rights um, mm-hmm. after it was concluded in February of 2020, which was right before the pandemic hit.
1: I, I'm impressed how well you uh, are with these dates yes yes uh, listeners he's got no notes in front of him he's just speaking from the heart yeah okay so do you believe that that uh Lacey was being loyal to USC by not uh prosecuting this this dude I do I
0: think that I think that they have tried to slow um the process
1: down because she in your theory because she doesn't want usc to seem tarnished isn't sc already been tarnished for years and years and years they they have gotten very some of it is fun.
0: you know the legal interest of the university um, the idea that if they were to admit fault to hold to hold people accountable, that there might be somebody other than George Tyndall who would need to be held to account, I think scares them.
1: But isn't isn't paying
0: out a billion dollars admitting fault to the average dude? And and in news terms, it is. Mm-hmm. But in legal terms, as far as issuing, I mean, they have issued very President. Fault, bless her heart, has issued very opaque pol- apologies. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. I think that a lot of the victims feel that until George Tyndall is actually convicted of, of a crime and is put into jail, um, that justice has not been served and money alone is not enough um, mm-hmm. for that I mean, the it's hard to describe the harm that a sexual abuse scandal like that happened, but I've seen you know, a professor have to force himself to go back to serving on a faculty committee after he learned that his daughter was victimized to mm. participate in that process. And when you watch somebody have to pull themselves together like that, it remains with you. Um, I saw the nurse um, who was the whistleblower who did blow the whistle on George Tyndall Sidney Gilbert um, come down and meet with then-provost Michael Quick Um, didn't try to desperately explain not only had she tried to repeatedly report George, but they had investigated him twice officially um, in 2013 and then again in 2016 through the university's Office of Equity and Diversity, which is its Title IX office. USC then commissioned an outside medical review in 2016
1: that concluded that much of what George Tyndall was doing was out of practice. Let's let's, uh, rewind just a little Mm -hmm. bit. And some of some of these allegations are he took inappropriate photos of women's correct. genitalia. He refused to allow nurses to um, be behind the curtain with him as he um, did stuff to these. this is correct. Um, and he was he he seemed to have targeted women who were. Um, let's say, uh, not, not necessarily familiar with how American medical mm-hmm. stuff is. So, so a lot of times they were, uh, I don't want to call them foreigners. What would you call um, them? Um, I would say that George Tyndall targeted vulnerable women,
0: um, particularly non-white women. Um, and then also people, uh, women from, um, the LGBT, LGBTQ community. And one thing that we learned, um, after George Snow that was a little disturbing was that there was actually a second doctor at the USC Student Health Center, Dr. Dennis Kelly, who was abusing his male patients. And that too was settled. I believe there there was 80 plus patients um, on that who received monetary claims. So at the USC Student Health Center, there were actually two doctors engaged in misconduct during this period. Um, And then unfortunately... The medical director, who was the closest supervising uh, doctor at the time, uh, passed away from cancer um, soon after. His name was Lawrence
1: Neinstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so um, you you didn't need to blow the whistle on any of these people. Who did you blow the whistle on?
0: I blew the whistle on the universities of, of uh, Senior Vice President for Human Resources and Vice President for Equal Opportunity and Title IX, who are the two officials who were tasked with making the changes um, as required by the U.S. Department of Education um, af- uh, after the agreement was concluded in February 2020. So I had a master's in public administration seven, and almost um, then about five-plus years in the provost office, and, and, and you know we'd gone through this. And so I decided that somebody at least needed to monitor the things the university had agreed to change actually change. And so much of what I saw was inaction. Mm -hmm. Um, They did make some changes, they hired people, but a lot of the really important um, outward public facing things that they needed to do happened very slowly. Um, They didn't make changes to our performance evaluations as employees to give us a better, um, more direct reporting option through that process. And then um, I caught them in 2021. There's an email that you're supposed to send out um, school-wide at the start of every year that's called a Title IX notice that informs you of your federal civil rights as a student in that institution. And USC is required to do this at the beginning of every academic year. And so when we came back from the pandemic in 2021, uh, this did not happen. Um, and I had been a student um, at USC, too, and USC was actually on its second resolution agreement. And this was one of the things I repeatedly fell. at. So I blew the whistle internally um, on that at USC. And then I tried to turn around and report it to the U.S. Department of Education Office for Civil Rights. And they actually blew me off. Um, they, they, the, the attorney they had assigned to monitor USC didn't want um, this to come out. The USC had failed to meet a basic requirement of this agreement that's specifically spelled out. And so that precipitated me filing a complaint um, with the department to try to force them to take action. And, um, uh, you know, I actually even went to the Department of uh, uh, Education Office of Inspector General in October of 2021 to try to report that USC was not doing everything that it needed to do under the agreement. And then the most unimaginable thing happened. Um, People might have forgotten by now, but in 2021, USC had a major scandal over drug facilitated sexual assaults at fraternity houses. And so this um, resulted in a lot of pressure on USC and the Department of Education. And also, um, um, there was a, a piece in the LA Times um, by one of our faculty members, Ariel Gross, that criticized USC for having a toxic environment. So the combination of, I think, the whistleblower, the student protest, and then faculty resistance led the Department of Education to hold USC to account in January of 2022 for not uh, doing everything it said it was going to do under the agreement. Um, they didn't apologize directly. Um, they don't do that. They sent out an email to the entire university community uh, uh, noting that um, certain components to review, particularly files, um, for, for university employees to ensure that there was no other abuse taking place had not happened on a timely basis after the agreement. And so at that point, I actually uh, I said to the Department of Education, Office for Civil Rights, Come on. Really? Like, was I was I really wrong there? Um, and that led to me having a more friendly relationship with them.
1: Uh, so when you blew the whistle, mm-hmm. you wrote a letter to the Department of Education. I filed a formal complaint mm-hmm. um, and, and on top of my emails. And when you did this, you probably assumed, oh, USC is going to get this and be like, whoops, we should have sent out this one letter. Yeah. For starters. And they never did it?
0: They did do it. Um, after I reported it, it took, it took them uh, four days to do it.
1: Oh, good. But they, 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 they did do it. So it worked? Yes. That part worked? That part worked. Well, let me ask you about forced these. The behavior to the change. Okay. Um, what other aspects of the agreement had they not con- completed? So... As part of the agreement, USC agreed to
0: revamp its Equal Opportunity and Title IX office. It actually disbanded the former Office of Equity and Diversity, and it created this new unit called EEOT, um, Equal Opportunity and Title IX. And it hired a new coordinator, whose name is Catherine Speer. And people might people might not know Catherine Spear, but she was the Title IX coordinator at Stanford um, during the infamous Brock Turner case. Oh, that was was he a water polo guy, volleyball guy? He he, he was something like that. But he, he he took a girl behind a dumpster. Took and, a girl behind the dumpster. So that that's USC's Title IX coordinator. Mm-hmm. And I I, I have tried to to work with her very intensively because I was interested in these issues. USC was also supposed to provide reports to the university community on its progress um, on an annual basis since 2020. And it hasn't issued a single one of those reports.
1: Hmm. Um, Are are nurses uh, going behind the curtain now with uh, the doctors? We have. I can't say that for sure. Because you're not allowed
0: back there. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I, 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 my, my job is to, my job is to coordinate the university's strategic response. But, to this.
1: but maybe there could be a form from all these patients where they follow up and say, was there a nurse present?
0: We have actually improved that. Um, USC has not publicized that there is a university clinical services program that we helped to create. That is sort of the non Keck medicine of USC monitoring and reporting improvement for medical um, for medical staff and for clinical staff in general, whether you're a psychologist or an occupational therapist or a dentist. Um, you know, the, when people make complaints, um, they need to be acted on because otherwise, and they need to be acted on with integrity because certainly one of the issues wasn't just that USC had gotten complaints that it was mishandled the complaints deliberately um, to avoid having to deal with the story. Hmm. Um, And even even beyond the point of any reason uh, or logic of it. You were there for a while. Mm -hmm.
1: Why do you think they just didn't do what
0: they needed to do? I think that the university's public image and reputation come... Ahead of everything else, there for some people, um, mm-hmm. including human decency, and I have had confrontations with people, um, face to face about these issues inside the senior administration, and that is the response. It is that culture of loyalty, of an unblemished, perfect USC that has become harder and harder to maintain.
1: Well, it it, it it's not maintained. It's not and maintained. So, and so, okay, but they still what, want it. But, Well, who doesn't, though? Who doesn't? And so when when people or an institution make a mistake, Mm -hmm. a serious mistake where they have to dole out a billion dollars plus, there's two paths you can take. Own up to it and say, this is what we're going to do to fix it. Or ignore it and think that it's going to go away, even though the LA Times is right down the street and, and has made a living writing stories about USC scandals it's hard for me. this is why it's hard for me to believe that they chose path two. I'm under the impression these are smart people. They're very smart
0: people and they're very well funded and they're mm-hmm. very well resourced with attorneys and,
1: and and I also feel like well for example, today LeBron's kid mm-hmm. decided that he's going to go to SC next year And so even among all these scandals, people still want to go to USC I mean then LeBron's kid could go anywhere. Including UCLA, which also is pretty damn good at basketball. Notoriety,
0: um, you know, is a form of marketing. I mean, that was certainly one thing we became aware of, was that we thought the scandal would hurt the business um, reputation of USC as an educational institution. But in fact,
1: it didn't. Applications went up. We, we, had, we had record highs. Therefore, don't you think, wherever the next scandal is, USC will finally say, well, if we own up to it, it's not going to hurt us. In fact, it's we know it's the right thing to do, but it's not going to hurt us. So therefore, do you think in the next scandal that they'll do the right thing?
0: I think that they... I don't think it's they want necessarily to... I don't think it's a bi, binary. I don't think it's right and wrong. I think it's a complicated calculation of financial and legal risk. And I think when you talk about... Who USC is, and you talk about who the leaders are there, who define it, um, one thing, I mean, certainly I noticed was, you know, between um, former President Max Nikias and, and what it was like to have even, you know, to have that culture of the university, um, and then to have an incident happen like that, and then to have Rick Caruso go from being, you know, a trustee um, to the chair of the Board of Trustees, um, he replaced an oil tycoon. Um <laughs> But, 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 like, his, his interest um, in the school wasn't necessarily the same. Um, like, the former chairman of the Board of Trustees of USC, John Mork, and his wife gave $200 million in scholarships to the university. Yeah. Rick Caruso gave $50 million to Pepperdine while he was chair of USC. <laughs> so, so, I mean, to the extent that Rick Caruso is a product of USC and he loves it very much, he also looks on it as a reflection of himself in a way that I think is perhaps different than other people who didn't run for mayor with a $100 million campaign. And I think that when you talk about what the response has been as far as the university's intentions, it gets really hard to tell. And one big clue we've gotten, though, that something is amiss um, was the leaked deposition from that civil case um, uh, uh, that, that came up to knock LA back in uh, October of 2022. And there's a very suspicious um, section where Rick Caruso admits to getting a cell phone call directly from an LAPD captain after the George Tyndall investigation begins. And Rick says that he refers the captain to the USC Office of General Counsel and kind of jokes that um, he'd gotten a lot of calls from LAPD captains. But it's still not clear how anybody in LAPD gets Rick Caruso's cell phone number. Well, and also, why why call him? Why call him? And to talk about the investigation by his own admission into George Tyndall? Why do you think they called him? I think I think that that is a sign of misconduct from from, from LAPD because that to me is an inappropriate contact. You don't call the cha- if you're an LAPD captain who's in charge of the investigation, you don't call the chair of the institution on the side to, to have to have a chat about it. And um, when you're talking about, you know,
1: victims who you're supposed to be representing, because it seems like you're trying to tip off the university on what they're doing. Therefore, they can build an easier defense. Correct. Or you're trying to cooperate
0: with them. And what was really disturbing about last October was that we learned soon after that there was, in fact, an LAPD captain who has helped facilitate the cover up of sexual uh, assault, um, Corey Palka. Who is currently under internal affairs investigation by LAPD? And the LA Times has reported that um, the U.S. Attorney's uh, Office Chief uh, Criminal Division Chief, uh, Mac Jenkins, has joined the probe in a cor- into Corey Polka. So I have I have been trying to get LAPD to go on a record um, about what's going on with this LAPD captain. The Rick Caruso admits under deposition calls his cell phone about the George Timmel investigation. Because I think people would like to know if somebody in LAPD um, had tried to had tried to slow the investigation in some way to help USC's um, PR image.
1: Before we get into the bad of what happened after you blew the whistle, any other good things happen? You know, I mean, I think as far as my sense of self
0: and, and, and my sense of soul, um, I mean, at least feeling like I'm not part of something that, 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 that you know, it was, it was, it wasn't that we wanted any, but nobody wanted any of this to happen, but the university's response was so bumbling, um, That, you know, whatever mishaps there were before the investigation, USC has deeply apologized for. And so now it's a question of what's happened after this news has come out. And you see, like, Karen Bass and Gloria Allred doing a whole press conference in the middle of an election season to call for the end of the cover-up of uh, USC sexual abuse. Um, But now neither one of them wants to give any comment on it. Mm. Um, Take it what you will. I mean— you know, I, I don't think either of them is being disinterested, but I do think that there are some politics to this, and to what stories make the news and stay in the news, mm-hmm. and and certainly, you know, this is one that's fallen out of the news lately, um, post
1: election. It's, I mean, news cycles are mm-hmm. a blink of the eye these days, and so unless you think that there's something behind all that, I do think, I
0: do think that there is, um, I do think that. I do think that Rick Caruso um, and his, um, his his closest political associate, whose name is Sam Garrison, who was his chief of staff um, at USC and is now the senior vice president for USC, and then the gen, uh, then general counsel of USC at the time, Carol Machamir, um, did cook up this kind of scheme to damage control USC's reputation and to support Caruso's political ambitions um, implicitly, because it was no secret that Rick Caruso wanted to be mayor of Los Angeles. It's something he's talked about um, for much of his adult life. There, you know, people people have speculated for, over and over again that he was going to run before he finally did. So I think that you know employees will do a lot of things to make their bosses happy. Um, so you know, what, whether it is bad intentioned, the self admitted cleanup job that happens. Um, has been very hasty and has not led to the resolution of this to anybody's satisfaction.
1: What was the resolution uh, uh, personally for you once you blew the whistle? Um... I So I
0: succeeded um, in, 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 in forcing USC to take a federally mandated action. And then I, I reported it to the regulatory authorities. I mean, one thing people don't realize about whistleblowing is ideally you are doing that sort of action. It's not just leaking something controversial. It is forcing an institution to try to comply with the law. Mm-hmm. And I, I, so I... I I got away with it, and I was able to stay. I I did not win any fans. I I, I describe an encounter I have with the senior vice president for human resources in uh, December of 2022, where she's literally staring at me, glaring at me, coming out of the president's office after I think the feds um, came down on USC, and she she glared at you. She glared at me
1: because she got caught not doing what the feds told her to Correct. do. Correct,
0: and I think she figured it out that that she she kind of knew it was me. Um, but it, still. It,
1: you're not the, you're not the bad
0: person here. I'm not the bad person, but I'm the person who's making trouble f- um,
1: for them. And I, I shouldn't 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 somebody do this? Do, for, let's let's let, let me, let me op- ask it this way: Do you regret blowing the whistle? No, great. No, um, did you keep your job? No,
0: um, I was able to get more accomplished after that. Because, but but, but hold on, did they fire you for this? Uh, it depends who you ask it's still I'm asking it's still, you it's still under investigation yes i believe they did um how did that go down that that went down hard on them and it went really bad for them um, for them for them they tried to silence me before firing me um they engaged in some very intimidating legal tactics um one the core thing that they first they tried to intimidate me um in a meeting they literally were threatening me that something was coming to me and then they went back and they dug up um, one of my ex-girlfriend's um, old title nine complaints that had been resolved from july of 2019 was their solution was to commit invasion of privacy and try to blackmail me with it um they then provided me with a file um in response to a personnel file request that they had been, you know, 20, they were like 30 days past the state deadline on. Mm-hmm. And they didn't think that I was going to find this file um, that they were going to, in this termination planning, like kind of hell week that they were going to put me through. I ended up walking into the termination proceeding and flipping the termination proceeding on them with the help of a security official in the room who was not in on this scheme to try to threaten me. Hmm. Um, And it didn't work. Um, I I mean, here you've got somebody who's a whistle, who they know was a whistleblower. They suspected was an informant, and sure enough, you know, at that point when somebody when somebody commits crime like that against you, it deeply affects you. Um, But
1: but still, I went in like
0: a raging bull into that
1: room. Unlike most other whistleblowers that either leak classified documents or something like this all you did it seems like to me was point out they haven't done this. So correct. it's not like you released anything. And all you said was something hasn't been released. I, I updated I updated the um, school
0: websites to have the correct Title IX office for people to c- report complaints to. I did it to over a dozen university websites um, in, in the months leading to my termination. And I had produced a spreadsheet that documented how many USC schools didn't have diversity pages on them. Um, it mm. was like six who, who had no mention of diversity at all on their website.
1: Had they had those before?
0: No, but some but, but most of the other schools did. And actually, yes, they did. They had um, an, it was totally inconsistent. Some of the schools had on the school webpage um what the reporting resources were. Some of them had made updates to change the names as required by the Department of Education. And then um, some of them hadn't. So, I undertook a really coordinated effort um, in late spring of 2022 to do this, which actually led to a literal stare down between me and the general counsel of USC. At a university event, after somebody complimented me for doing it, he was looked at me like, "What are you doing? Um, like, 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 why is it bad to do what you did?" I figured it out a month later. USC got in trouble again in June 2022 with uh, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights. And among these things that uh, they were held accountable for a second time in 2022 were these website updates to provide the correct information for reporting. So that at least if somebody wants to make a complaint um, about Keck Medicine, that they could go online and find the right
1: information to make a complaint. And they were mad that you made it easy for people to make complaints. Correct. Okay, I can kind of see that, but but isn't... Isn't that the right thing to have on your website when you
0: know when you have information that USC has not complied with uh, 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 such an important agreement like that, mm-hmm. and then has
1: gotten well, in trouble twice with federal agencies in the same year? Was that was that part of the agreement that they had to put start putting these on the website? It was. It was. Ah, okay. So you weren't you weren't doing anything above and beyond.
0: They they. I, as far as my position I was I, I was only an executive secretary and you have an entire compliance offices and legal offices at USC that are supposed to be doing these things and I had even met with these people to try to encourage them over and over again mm-hmm. to do the right thing from uh, for, from 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 the senior vice president of Human resources to, to Catherine Spear, they all knew that I was very interested in this agreement and what was going to happen to mm-hmm. it and so when they finally moved against me, they, they um, at the end of the week, they handed me this termination letter that they basically they staged these incidents that tried to try to terrify me and then wrote a one sided account of it. But it also includes them describing me as making change inappropriately at the university.
1: Inappropriately which,
0: inappropriately. They say that uh, I I that, that, you know I'd been advised that making how you make change at USC matters and, and that by going to the
1: government I, I guess I, I had gone too far too far with them. Um, mm. uh, so how did it finally go down? Uh, they called you in an office They called me into a boardroom at four 30 on Friday Mm -hmm.
0: and I walked in the room. I told them that my cell phone was off and I wasn't recording the conversation, um, placed it down and sat down very assertively and told them, you guys want to talk, let's talk. And so they, it was like my boss had a prepared statement that he had actually written and he started to read it. And so I kind of warned him. I was like, you need to stop this. This is not okay. Um, and so, sure enough, they got to fire me um, after I got shot it down. Um, so I, I kind of played. I played along with it, mm-hmm. and then I, when they handed me the letter, it was so laugh. It was so laughably written that I just kind of burst out laughing at them. Um, it, it literally has a self-incriminating statement that includes my response to being threatened, but not the threat that was made to me. And then I pivoted the conversation to talk about the dirt file that they had tried to do because. I mean, if you have an if you have an informant and you want to threaten somebody, we'll show them you have some dirt on them. Um, it 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 didn't work. Um, the security officer um, who was next to me, who's a LAP veteran, um, a reserve officer and trainer, um, and is an expert in counter extortion, as he's sitting me watching me question them about this, his face is becoming redder and redder and redder at them because mm. he didn't want anything to do with this type of threat against against somebody like me, who was somebody he knew mm-hmm. um, and who's you know who is questioning, you know, you know, you know, people, people who are threat, you know, who are trying to do basically whistleblower retaliation against me. Mm-hmm. And so it fell apart um, on them. They didn't expect me to find that file. They gasp, <laughs>
1: gasp. And so while you're being fired, you say, I know about this file. Correct. They freak out, but they go through with the termination. Yep, yeah, they got to go through with the termination. Did they give you a severance?
0: No, no severance.
1: Two weeks pay?
0: Uh, they gave me two weeks pay. Uh, they threw the the HR AVP they had. I had never met before in my life. She was next to my supervisor, and she threw the check at me and kind of uh, told me I was going to need it. And then she also threatened me with a uniformed police officer. She they, they tried to tell me that there was a uniformed department of public safety officer outside of the room waiting for me. Before she said that. USC had so underfunded its Department of Public Safety they didn't have the resources to keep the campus safe. <laughs> um, so, I mean— well, hold on. Yes, how I know. Much, how,
1: much, how much money does USC have in the bank? Uh,
0: USC has probably, in the bank, reserves of maybe $8
1: billion or something. $8 billion. Dollars.
0: Yeah. The and operating it, budget for USC is about $4.8 billion a year, and they've, they've got reserves and—
1: uh, and, you know, and a squad of rent-a-cops sorry. don't cost no $8 billion no no okay so it, 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 it was um what they what they know what they describe as a
0: declaratory statement before somebody commits a crime mm-hmm. or, or something like that usually they'll say something right uh, that you know it's like i'm gonna get you and so that was her that was her that was her statement she knew she was up to no good hmm. and so it fell apart very quickly at that point did
1: you have to sign anything on that day i did not did you get a lawyer right away
0: no i haven't been able to get a lawyer. Um people are terrified of uh, of any type of Really? Yeah, I mean USC There's
1: it, not a lawyer that wants to Fight USC on a no on no. a whistleblower termination. I've I've talked to a number of
0: them, and even the ones who have taken cases against USC, USC uses very dirty um, and extreme legal tactics sometimes to try and get out of, of, of being held accountable in, in any and in just about any case. Hmm. Um, it's almost they've they've systematized getting out of trouble, and this is something you hear discussed um, on the infamous LA Fed tapes. Um, is uh, the this- Fed tapes are what? The L.A. Fed tapes um, were racist um, and corrupt. Oh, these are the the uh,
1: 2022 tapes you were were talking about earlier. Where uh, eventually it got Nuri Martinez to have to resign, and Kevin DeLeon should have resigned, but he 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 hasn't yet. Yes. Gil Cedillo got timed out, and uh, the
0: president of the AFL-CIO, Ron Herrera, resigned. Why do they call them
1: Fed tapes?
0: Um, it is after the building, which is known as the L.A. Fed Tapes, or, wow. I'm sorry, which is known as the L.A. Fed Building. Okay. And um, so they, they they do talk about this, um, that U, USC is kind of like an oil company that's committed you know all these crimes and, 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 and this is Kev- this is, they have a thousand lawyers. This is what
1: Kevin called USC, yes. an oil company.
0: Yes. And, you know, he, he basically, they, they kind of view USC as this entity um that is kind of beyond the reach of anybody and to some extent i don't know i don't i I don't know about that one but Mm -hmm. what i do know is that i had observed um i had befriended um rick caruso's best friend at usc is sam garrison the senior vice president of your university of relations and so I had seen Sam a week prior speaking at the remodeling of the USC Community House. And I knew him. I would known him since 2018. And he had the strangest look on him. It was like he was on the way to like a murder or something. The way he came, out, came down the stairs. And he kind of shot me a look that I'll never forget. And then he gave this... It was a celebratory event. You had members of the community there. And he's standing in front of us and he's speaking and he's almost like miming that he's like repeating a conversation that he's heard elsewhere. And it was it was kind of the most condes- condescending possible, briefest way to give a speech like that on the occasion. And so I thought it was suspicious. And given the circumstances of everything that had been happening at USC over the course of that year and, and, and two people I've known who worked for work for him um, and my interactions with him. I became concerned that there was something that was going to happen to the election. And so when I flipped the termination proceeding, after we went through the dirt file scheme, I turned the topic to the election. And I actually interrogated uh, Mark Todd, the Vice Provost for Academic Operations at USC on August 26, about if there was going to be some sort of wiretapping or, or or listening device uh, attack happen and that I would know the source after having observed Sam Garrison that day. And this whole conversation occurs in, um, in front of a senior campus safety official at USC um, who is himself an expert in counter-extortion. Um, his name is Patrick Prince. And so we were aware that something was coming. We didn't know what it was, but we thought that there was something that, that he had that he was going to use to fuck with the election. Mm. Um, par- par- part of my language. That's exactly what, you know— mm-hmm. You know, when when a when but, a, when a but bus, how did
1: how did that benefit uh, Caruso?
0: So, it tried to benefit Caruso by boosting this narrative that LA City Hall and LA labor was corrupt, right? And that, um, lat, the, 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 you know Latinos, you know, Latinos are you know just trying to get power power for themselves at the expense of other minority groups. And then Crusoe, of course, was really trying to appeal to Latinos. Mm. Um, he famously declared that he was Latin um, <laughs> at, 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 he at, at the first debate right after the tapes. And then his oh, wait,
1: wait, what was what was his reasoning behind that? He, he
0: he 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 wanted to. He was asked, I believe, about about his outreach to, to Latinos in Los Angeles. Yeah. And so his response was to note that it's, he's Italian, um, Latin, that's Latin, mm. and. <laughs> His denial—he's denied responsibility for this. Um, Maybe not everybody who I think
1: is smart is actually smart. He blames it on—he blames
0: it on Karen Bass, and he said that most of the people in the meeting had endorsed Karen Bass, but it's—it's it's not even true. Um, Gil Cedillo endorsed Rick Caruso. There's a video of it. Mm-hmm. Kevin DeLeon never endorsed anybody, right? Um, and in fact, he's got old beef with Karen Bass going back to his assembly days when oh. Kevin got caught. Shadow voting, um, casting a vote inconsistent with what another member would wanted as a proxy in relation to a development project, mm. and so we, Kevin, Ke- Kevin looks like the weak link in this. Like, and it's actually it's in. And by the that, recording. do you mean that Kevin possibly, yeah.
1: probably, I was think behind the, Ke- the leak? I
0: think that Kevin disclosed the meeting was going to happen to Sam Garrison, mm. and. This is one great thing about tapes is this is actually in the tape. Um, I have the transcript in front of me. It's, uh, he,
1: he, he's got a, uh, a yellow post-it. He's, you know, very few of my guests come prepared. Yeah. I literally take my hat off to you. It's, um, you know, I mean,
0: I've heard uh, Megan Kunif, the famous legal affairs reporter, talk about um, pro- federal prosecutions and how if prosecutors have one thing that they love. It's recordings. Mm. Because you can extract a significant amount of information from recordings about what led up to the meeting, so the same person that I thought was going to attack the election, and I reported on August twenty-two um, during during this whistleblower retaliation termination, and I and I had only made the observation of him the week before, and it just kind of came out of me, like mm-hmm. like when you see something like that, and you've been in this high stakes, high pressure situation, you you store things away in your mind. Mm-hmm. But we thought he was going to pop up on the recording and, and in the note that Sam Garrison, um, who's a former VP at Caruso-affiliated, who is Rick Caruso's chief of staff, um, who is known to be extremely close to Rick Caruso. You can see um, on the... There's a really elite fancy club in downtown L.A. called the California Club. And they, held, know. they held an event um, there four months before the election where Sam Garrison and Rick Caruso... Get up, and they laud uh, Mike Bone, the athletic director, over the hiring Lincoln Riley. So you can start to get an idea of how close Garrison is to Caruso. Mm-hmm. And so on the recording at 13:44, Garrison appears. Um, kept, they're talking about USC scandals, and uh, it's, it's, the conversation is between Nuri Martinez, the former city council president, and Kevin De Leon. Um, Kevin De Leon um, goes; he's, he switches the subjects very rapidly. He goes. I didn't realize until after I was with Gene Block of US, from US, from UC, UCLA yesterday, and we were at this event for the Chinese massacre for UCLA. When the LA Times gets a bug up their ass, you know, they just like, so I talked to Sam Garrison the other day, who is the GR. He reports directly to Carol Full who's the president of USC. Kevin says, he was telling me, and Nuri Martinez interrupts him, and she goes, the son of Jim Garrison? And Nuri Martinez knows that Sam Garrison is the youngest son of Jim, uh, of Jim Garrison from JFK conspiracy theory fame. Who, if you ever saw the movie JFK by Oliver Stone, is the attorney who was, who was leading these supposed investigations into, into if the mafia and the CIA had killed JFK, if it was some type of conspiracy. So Sam is his youngest son, and Nuri knows this. And so Kevin DeLeon confirms, yeah, the son of Jim Garrison. He told me a couple of reporters got Pulitzer surprises. and this confuses Nuri Martinez. She asks him again For the investi- from the investigation, and Kevin goes, from the investigation. So what they're doing has legs. Just keep it going. Just keep it going. And this must really freak Nuria Martinez out because she seems worried that Rucruzzo is going to like get her or something. Um, and so Nuri Martinez flips out on David Zondeser of the LA times and she goes, David Z told me last week, I didn't want to talk to him. I just, I was like, I don't want to get cornered in this shit, but what do you want? He's like, and you know, the feds are leaking shit to David so that he can write it up. Um, that little fucking piece of shit. And he's like, I just wanted you to know, did you know that there's more incriminating evidence against Mark? I said, no. How would I know? As a matter of fact, I don't want to know. So I'll talk to you later. She laughs like cackling. And she goes, I felt like uncomfortable with this conversation. So I don't know why you're telling me this shit. I'm like... And um, she then gets interrupted, and they change the subject. And so this is kind of the end cap of the first 15 minutes of the meeting, which is about the Mark Ridley Thomas federal bribery investigation. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, um, after this meeting occurred on October 18 of 2021, they would vote to remove Mark Ridley Thomas from city council. So it seems that Sam Garrison might have had some idea from this conversation that this meeting might have been happening because Mm -hmm. he talks to Kevin DeLeon. And then Kevin DeLeon misrepresents... um, kind of what the purpose of the conversation is because when he says yeah the son of jim garrison he told me a couple reporters got pulled surprises it doesn't make any sense he's not talking about the la times investigation there i think he's talking about endorsements and i think i think that's what he talked about with sam garrison um was the mayoral campaign Mm -hmm. Um, in October of 2021. Um, Because, I mean, it's no secret that Kevin DeLeon is a very ambitious guy. It's no secret that Rick was is a very ambitious guy. Mm -hmm. Um, Kevin came off of a Senate campaign, ran for city council, and then he ran for mayor. So, like, obviously, like, there's this backroom conversation happening between these two, but it's just the fishiest thing. And then Sam Garrison is also the only person who connects the note too, as well.
1: Here's what I want to know. Yeah. Are you still trying to find a lawyer to help you recoup from being fired for blowing the whistle on USC? Yes. Yes. Because maybe we can help. I mean, maybe we can't. I mean, if if I'm, let's pretend, let's pre- see, I don't, I don't believe this. And again, I'm, maybe I'm naive, but I don't believe that just because you're from a college That you defend the college in your adulthood, (laughs) even when you know that they're doing stupid things. But let's pretend you are for a second. There's not a UCLA lawyer or a a Bruin who has a a degree from from that law school. MMU Or or, uh, Notre Dame. Like a rival of USC who wouldn't love to, to give USC a hard time. And probably... Probably, because it seems to me that USC does make settlements. Yes, they do. And so the lawyer doesn't have to go to trial for this. They're probably not going to go to trial. Who would go to trial over this? They're going to look terrible. They're going to end up having, giving you $8 billion. So it, it's still hard for me to believe that there's not a lawyer out there who looks at this as an ambulance and would love to chase it. I think, well,
0: it goes into recoverability. Um so USC is not happy with me. They're not happy with the whistleblowing I did before I got fired, and they're not happy with me finding things like this in a transcript too, like that. Too bad. And so it overwhelms. What I found is that it, the attorneys well, get overwhelmed. Well, and let me ask you this. They get
1: worried about their money. Did USC ever say that you were wrong? Um, that the I, information that you provided was incorrect? No. And then... Pay up, bros. They you fired a whistleblower. That's this, against the law. This right? has stopped being about money
0: and it started being about the law. Unfortunately, um, mm-hmm. I'll actually be meeting with um, over over phone with two agents from the U.S. Department of Education Office for Civil Rights this Wednesday to talk about USC's investigation into all of this, which is okay. Has been ongoing. Um, they, of course, are trying to get out of it, especially once they realize that I didn't show up with a lawyer. Um, they have they've kind of realized that they can get out of this
1: you didn't show up to your termination meeting with I didn't a show
0: up to the investigation meetings with a lawyer you were, were you supposed to um, you you can get an attorney as an advisor mm. and really it's kind of a show of force. Because otherwise, there's nothing to stop them from pushing you around um, mm-hmm. as a private citizen. Um, you know, I mean, to the extent that legal representation is about money, um, lawyers certainly like it when a client has a retainer, especially when it's a complex case like this. That's going to take a lot of time up front. I see. Um, that that seems to be the, the, the stumbling block there. But, so it's part of the reason why I've you know come more forward with the story is mm-hmm. because I've tried to get USC to investigate this misconduct, and I'm not satisfied with what I'm seeing as far as they're interested in at least pinning an end to the kind of dirt filing practice that's going on there. Mm. And and I'm not the only person to have reported this. Um, In October 2020, I'm sorry, in July of 2020, one of their own attorneys um, from their office of professionalism and ethics bolted, and she accused them of engaging in exactly these types of of manipulative uh, legal tactics Mm. to intimidate people, and she sued them in federal court. Um, She got forced out of court and is now into arbitration. But what I was certainly looking into on, on the down low while I was still inside USC is, is this true? Does USC really blackmail, blackmail its employees is, is to quiet them? Mm-hmm. Because the report was that there was like a university hit team um, and the academic Senate, um, the, the faculty group um, had demanded an investigation, um, but nothing came up during, during the pandemic. Um, so I was looking into these rumors and sure enough, man, they are true. Hmm. Do you? Do not mess around with USC, is my warning to people. Um, they will really go after you very aggressively. Hmm. And I I'd heard it too from another employee too, that they had um, essentially used pressure tactics on her prior to terminating her. To, to, USC doesn't do severance actually by policy. Um, but one thing they're really interested in not seeing happen after George Tyndall is anybody coming forward to speak out. Um, to the best of my knowledge, other than the initial whistleblower, I am the only other employee to ever go to any type of media to try to tell, try to tell any of the story. Um, hmm. Everybody else has been quiet. And certainly the environment and the feelings of fear there, uh, f- uh, that if you were to speak out about you know, whether it's what happened at the Student Health Center or if it's the legal cover-up, that you will be retaliated against exactly as I've experienced.
1: Have you reached out to the LA Times?
0: I have. They um, no, weren't interested in the story. You know, they. You know, we've been trying to get USC to investigate um, this, um, and of course, it doesn't seem to be happening. Unfortunately, um, mm-hmm. even with this, you know getting people who are at least you would hope are the adults in the room there to, to, to go forward with it, so we're kind of at a precipice with that. Either I, I'm going to tell the truth to the feds on Wednesday. Um, Great. Either, either, either something's going to happen here. Or it's going to start becoming more public we're almost
1: at the end of our hour perfect how how smooth are you like i mean
0: yeah that
1: was that was amazing hey
0: i've got i'm the only person in la who can connect the same person to both the note and the recordings and who's that person sam garrison uh, rick caruso's former chief of staff and the svp university relations at usc
1: Let me ask you about University Park yes the neighborhood that you worked at for how long um, about nine years total nine years and you were also a student there correct
0: tell me about it you know I really love University Park um, I mean there's a lot of people particularly around the construction of the USC village who felt that USC was gentrifying them out mm. um, to the extent that some of you know some of I mean some of that's some of it's unavoidable, right? Everything's becoming more expensive in LA. Let, but. Let's
1: let's again. Not everybody knows about University Park. Yes. Um. And or or, or um. You, I'm sorry. The Village. The Village. The Village used to be more of. It looked more like the neighborhood. It 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 looked like just a. I don't want to say a strip mall, but there yeah. was movie theaters there. It just looked like a regular park. and a
0: Superior Grocery.
1: It, right. Yeah. So like. I mean, I'm not here to to denigrate Superior no, no, no. Grocery, but it's not it's not Trader Joe's, which they have now. Correct. And what they did was it it feels to me from an outsider that they just wiped out that whole thing, built their own fake brick building, cuz those aren't bricks. No, it's not real brick. And I mean, I don't. Is it gentrifying? They put a Target there. They put a whole uh, Trader it's, Joe's. It's the only
0: Trader Joe's in South Los Angeles. You can look at the map of Trader mm-hmm. Joe's. There's not a single other one in South
1: LA, which is bad on Trader Joe's. Which is bad on Trader Joe's. Uh, but it makes sense there. I mean, these are young yes. young people who obviously love Trader Joe's, and as they should. So anyhow, when you look at it today, it looks it fits. It yeah. totally fits into the aesthetic of, of SE. But when you knew what it was before, I think those critics are correct, don't you?
0: You know, I think I think that the old village was not businessly, didn't have viable long term business vibe. Like, uh, like people Copper didn't shop build. there. I, I think I think particular I think the Superior Grocery was successful, but the only other business there that's been able to hang on is the cobbler, who's excellent and mm-hmm. actually does like um like theater clothes for, so, for USC.
1: Well, this is great. A critic of USC yeah. is complimenting what they did with the uh, village. I,
0: th- I think that, you know, when you're talking about a 30 or 40 year old shopping center, that everything had a lifespan. Now, I'm not happy with the village as far as it doesn't have anywhere for public events to occur. Like they don't so much, of you know, they don't do any farmers markets there. There's mm. no public stage. I mean is it good that USC built more housing for students? You know. I mean, yeah, cause of course it is. Cause I mean, it's fewer students competing in the neighborhood for rent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, you know, less, um, you know, less, um, less of the private developers um, because, you know, there, there's a lot of private development companies who literally co-op USC's colors um, to mm. try to, you know, really rack up student housing. And so, I mean, do I think, you know, I think the university did what it had to do with that. Right. Um, and I, I guess it shows that I'm actually a complex person, right? Or, um, or you're
1: just an honest person. Yeah, I'm an honest person. Um, if it's raining, you say it's raining. If it's not, you, you say it's I not. I would
0: like to see USC do more with the village. There's a community room there that's totally underutilized. Hmm. Um, you know, they have... They were, they were going to build even more house, um, student housing on top of the remaining green space there. Um, and for, fortunately, that plan came to a halt. Mm-hmm. And then, too, if you, know, if you really want to talk development, too, in um, University Park, um, what's been on the LA City Council's agenda this year is the Bethune La- uh, Library site um, on Vermont and 36. And Marriott wants to build a hotel there. Mm. Which is totally insane. Um, that one I'm against. Um, thirty six is near where? It's um, right across from the Taco Bell on Vermont and um, thirty six. Um, it's it's kind of the west entrance of USC, and that's really the west area and this area south have really been where you've been seeing more students m- moving into over the last decade. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, USC has always been there, right? USC has been there since, you know, 1880. The the university, you know, the university was there and the community has you know, really come around it. So, I mean, I don't think it's, you know, it's a question of USC, you know, has a belonging there. Obviously, they belong. Obviously, you know, the city needs a great institution like this. Mm-hmm. But it's also incumbent upon the institution to treat people fairly and then to, to provide benefits to the community. Because my- they're the largest private employer in the county. USC is. USC is. How about for, that? Far, far and away, um, you know, outside of uh, you know, outside of government, USC as a private um, organization employs more people in LA County than anybody
1: else. Am, am I am I being unfair when I feel like since they've been there since the 1800s, yeah, and they have eight billion in the bank that the neighborhood hasn't benefited from USC. Is it is it their job for the the surrounding neighborhood to benefit because It it doesn't look great anywhere
0: around there. They have studied this, actually. Um, The Advancement Project, which is now known as Catalyst California, did a report back in 2015 that's known as the State of the Neighborhood Report. And what they found was that USC did have some positive impacts, particularly in schooling um, on the local schools, through programs like Good Neighbors Campaign and then the USC Family of Schools. Um, neighborhood academic initiative, uh, great program, um, if you live around uh, University Park campus, you can get educational support for your for your student and your family for, to support the parents from middle school through high school. And then if you get into USC, they will give those students a full scholarship. Really? So the number one feeder high school into USC is actually
1: Fauche High School in South Los Angeles because of this program. Well, for I know a little bit about that high school. Yes. That's an amazing high school. That's they, a good one. They make the parents show up on Saturdays. And sit in there for hours and hours. That's the Saturday
0: Academy for the Neighborhood Academic Initiative. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think when you talk about USC, or, you know, you're talking about people with a very complex agenda. Okay, so
1: that's one of the positives. Yeah. It's still so bad in that neighborhood that they let the students have free lift rides so that they can go up to, I think, three miles of the campus. Not three miles. Maybe one mile around the campus. Because... People are getting murdered there. There's crime like crazy. That's what I'm saying. I mean, yes, it's great that, that they're, what, what you mentioned is actually very good. Yeah. But when you drive through USC, it doesn't look like this school has been here uh, uh, over a hundred years and has given back to the hood.
0: They could be giving back more. Right. I, 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 absolutely do think that there is lots of room for growth for USC to do more for the community there. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I mean, I think as far as the Lyft rides, yes, you're talking about some safety issues, particularly it started out. It was supposed to be a supplemental service to the normal campus cruiser program, which was Mm -hmm. student um, run and operated through USC transportation. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of expanded it out and then it has become, well, who's paying for this? So now they've stopped the exclusive rides and now it's shared rides only.
1: Don't you think the students are paying for it though?
0: Through the tuition, they are. Exactly. Um, they're not free. They're not it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not. it's not totally free. And I don't think it's totally out of fear of the neighborhood exactly either. Oh, I do don't think that there are legitimate crime concerns. Like, one thing I'll say, uh, you know, event that happened, you know, that was really saddening um, last May was one thing I noticed um, is that USC has not done a very good job of maintaining the um, blue phones um the the, the the those safety crisis phones that they oh, have uh-huh um that you know are supposed to be there to help you um and so i had noticed particularly uh, there was one behind the galen center right there next to the um uh, train tracks and the security lights were out on the outside of the building too and Sure enough, man. I re- I tried reporting that in. I reported it in facilities. I even went to transportation. I had transportation call DPS to say, "Hey, there's a blue light. You know, there's a blue phone light phone out, and the security lights are out in the back of the Galen Center." And a student was attacked, and she was sexually assaulted and raped <sighs> behind that building. So I I mean, that's a terrible feeling when you're the person who's reporting that the safety features that are supposed to be there to keep the premises safe aren't working, and then something happens to mm-hmm. the to that student, right? And so, I mean, I I do think that Los Angeles, you know, particularly about USC, you know, I think the more that people view themselves as hosting the university and as the university being an integral part of out of it, the better the relationship will be, and the more benefits will go both ways.
1: Are we out of time? Yeah, and uh, um, Jordan's gonna be mad at me, but I've got two more questions go for, for it. you. You mentioned earlier about the uh, fraternities, correct? Earlier this year, and and and. To me, this this encompasses part of uh, uh, this neighborhood, frat row. Where's that? Twenty eighth Street. Twenty eighth Street. These frats were pressured by USC to stop allowing freshmen to rush. Correct. And the frats, for the most part, didn't blink, and they were like, "Fine, we don't need you then." No, And, they, and, and they, they went on with their business. So they've
0: disaffili- they've, some of them have even disaffiliated right. after they sued us. And they published full-page ads in the student newspaper declaring that they were suing us.
1: Do you think that USC bungled this? This is why I ask. Yes. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, before the internet, it might have been important to have your flyer rush ZZZ on a, a campus wall. But now, in the age of social media, you don't need to advertise with the, the campus. In fact, if I'm an 18-year-old boy, I might like the rebellious nature of the frat because that's kind of what the culture is over there. You join the frat so that you can play animal house a little bit. And so, what better than to have the stodgy private institution say, we don't like you good isn't that awesome I think that they really bungled the response
0: to the fraternity house sexual assault scandal that happened in October of 2022 what should they have done I'm sorry t- 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 20, t- 2021 um mm-hmm. they the headline of that came out that USC wanted like hall monitors to make sure that nobody was sexually assaulting anybody <laughs> else in the fraternity house and I mean I it's sad that we even got to that point. Right, and then part of the reason too um, that U- USC did take action against fraternities um, was because of deaths um, due to alcohol poisoning, and and there was there was a visiting student from Berkeley who ended up running onto the 10 freeway. That's never been explained. Um, you know, there's been there was maybe ROTC well, student pretty who far killed away. himself inside of the fraternity house. Um, mm-hmm. so. I mean, as far as the hazing issues and Mm -hmm. those safety issues, of course the university has to respond to them. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to feel like they sent their kid off to college to party and then he died wrongly. Or that their daughter's getting roofied. Or their daughter's getting roofied. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is something we've dealt with year after year there was those issues. I personally was never a member of fraternity. I've never gone to a fraternity party. Mm-hmm. In fact, I even went to a college that had no fraternities or sororities—a little tiny Reed College up in Portland, Oregon. How about that? And I don't think—I don't think that it's essential to school um, for that to happen. I mean, I think mm-hmm. you get into some more complicated questions when you start talking about the tailgates—the mm. uh, tailgating that happened. And USC has cracked down on drinking games. And then they have? They have. they have. They, 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 you can't have any drinking games at USC since 2014. And the reason is because so many alcohol poisonings ah. have occurred. And it, I actually have stopped going to them. I got tired of watching people getting
1: carted off with alcohol poisoning. It seems to me that uh, that area, University Park is, is this neighborhood. Only North has a University col- Park. Uh, it's, I'm sorry? They call it North University Park now. Well, where's are south. Uh, it's been
0: obliterated by the Coliseum.
1: Oh, actual <laughs> park. Uh, it seems to me that there's really only two bars that you can drink at. There's the Nine O, and Cur- then on the other side there is that—I forget what it's called, but it's uh, got like white picket grating uh, on it. You
0: think about it's the Two Nine? It used to be the Two Nine, and then it became Study Hall. That's the one. Yeah, they used to have the original Wahoos fish tacos in there too back Oh in the day. really? Seriously? Are those
1: really the only two places that a twenty one year old could drink? Around USC? Mm-hmm. Um Outside of like an actual restaurant. You know, I think that's where you see the fraternity houses getting that, in the buses that, on
0: Friday night and going
1: to the clubs. And that's what I'm asking.
0: I mean Is is
1: don't you think it would be better? for USC
0: to allow some... I think that's a social question of the drinking age. Um,
1: but, oh, uh, but you've got thousands of kids. We who are... also have...
0: We have we have uh, the Lab, um, which is next oh, to the Galen right. Center. And then they have to, um, Traditions, uh, Traddies, which, which is underground at USC. And it used to be the original campus bar.
1: Um, so there's a couple places to drink. I, I guess yeah. what I'm suggesting is maybe maybe give the adults who go to USC because there's a bunch. I mean, when I transferred to UC Santa Barbara, I transferred as a 21 year old and you know, I was incredibly popular with my ID. Let me say that. But, but I think one of the reasons that people go to, go to frat houses is because it's one of the few places they can drink. And it's a party, right? It's fun. Mm hmm. So I mean, I'm saying maybe not, ex- maybe expand it. You don't like this? Oh, he's he's. Grimacing. I mean, I think that um, I think that I think it's not the university's choice. Um, yes, but still, if you know that there's this terrible culture, which is including the Greeks, what can you as a university do about well, they, it? Well,
0: they, 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 they tried, man. They 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 banned freshmen from running from rushing, which was a uh, financial hit to fraternities and sororities, mm-hmm. and then they created uh, a series of complex rules about what you had to do to host a party.
1: Did, did some of the fraternities agree to these rules? Some of them have I believe because um, they wanted to be affiliated with SE
0: Yeah and I mean I mean I certainly the administration's argument has been that by keeping your affiliation you sh- show that you're a safe fraternity right right and that you know you're you know you're willing to work with the, you know the university so I do think ultimately it's going to backfire on those fraternities who are just affiliated from the university mm-hmm. I, I think that they are going to have incidents happen. And I think that they're going to be even more on their own and dealing with that. And, you know, I think that those national organizations that control those entities need to take more of a you know step forward, you know, at least trying to ensure that the parents of those students know what's going on. Because it, it, it literally it can't just be um, a bo- it's not it's not another stage of boarding school. It's not, um, you know, it's not it can't just be where you go to get your box checked. Right. You're supposed to be there for school. Right.
1: Okay, let's wrap up with this. Yeah. Mr. Whistleblower. Go for it. What's your advice to the next whistleblowers out there? What have you learned that you want to share? I think for the next whistleblowers, one, document
0: everything. Two, if you're going to go out um, and try to whistleblow, expect that something like this is going to happen to you. You're probably going to get fired. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody, nobody go, you know, goes after um, the juggler like I did and gets away with it. And then nobody, nobody like, like, um, whistleblowers get fired. Whistleblowers get fired.
1: Isn't there a law against that?
0: Yes, there are. The laws are really hard to enforce. And then retaliation is really effective against people. Like something like 80% of whistleblowers experience retaliation at work. Mm -hmm. Um, So you might be, you might be that one in five who doesn't, who who doesn't, doesn't go down for this. But the number of stories you hear about the number and the number of organizations that go after people for blowing the whistle in ways like this—it's viewed as a threat. Um, you're, you know, you're not going to get
1: uh, a, f- a fair hearing. So expect expect the worst. Expect the worst. So if you're going to do it, you, you you better be doing it for all the right reasons. Yeah. Which in your case was protect my community. Protect, pr- 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 try to protect USC.
0: Make sure they're putting at least the reporting resources out there, and then to send a big message to the senior administration that not everybody is just going to go in lockstep when they don't meet up to their obligations. And like, if I go down for having tried to provide the correct information for people to report sexual assaults and discrimination, um, you know, you know, in their schools and for getting a Title Nine notice out, like I like I was fine with that, you know, like. The the victims of George Tyndall are people I know. Um, they're people's faces I see. You know, you, you know, at, at night. Um, and I don't I don't take it lightly. Lightly, and money wasn't enough. He he. It's not just enough to arrest him and uh, keep him in some some form of pretrial detention for four years. He's got to go to jail. And then the rest of the cover up, as far as who knew what when, um, needs to start eroding. It, it can't stay all stay secret forever. Um, And I hope that maybe by speaking out that I'll convince somebody else to speak out with me. And so, I mean, I think that'd be the final thing is if you're going to whistleblow, ideally, you know, other whistleblowers too, right? And you have some plan at least to corroborate your story because otherwise you just sound like a crazy person. And that's what they'll try to do to you, to discredit you. They'll try to say he's acting, he's crazy, he's just imagining things. But at a certain level, it gets hard to fake documents and and things like that. So that's why I I brought my paperwork today because hey, I'm the only person who can connect the
1: same person to the note in the recordings with the LA Fed tapes. Some of what we talked God. about may have gone over the heads of some people, but if they want to follow up on this, you've been documenting this very well on your substack. Yeah. What's your substack? My substack is
0: zachary.ellison.substack.com. Um, the username is Zachary Obama, and you can find me under Zachary Obama on Twitter as well. Why Obama? Because I, I think Obama, you know, as the... <laughs> Less, less legitimate president of the United, you know, you know, you're totally legit, legitimate. Um,
1: Dark Brandon co- isn't your friend?
0: Constitute. No, I, I, can't, I can't. After it went off the rails after Trump and now we're just in damage control. But I mean, Obama was Obama was from Hawaii. Um, he was a constitutional law professor. Um, you know, the, so, so many of the ethics and integrity issues, they, they can't even get near him. Um, you say Hawaii because you've spent time there. I lived in Hawaii. I love Hawaii. Right. Uh, Substack.
1: Substack. Zachary, what now? ZacharyEllison.substack.com. And uh, you're on uh, Twitter. Twitter. Because that's how we met each yeah. other. Uh, what's your uh, Twitter handle?
0: At uh, ZacharyObama. Zachary and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to
1: remember, is it? It is easy to remember. Has anybody given you a hard time about this? Oh
0: yes, yes. Of course, of course. From, uh, le- left, left, and right. And I, I mean, I think that's part of that's part of the beauty out of it because I mean beauty of it because i mean if you know if you're gonna if you're gonna be the person right who you know who know who one is dealing with the most one of the most infamous institutions in the city um who reports an attack on the election and specific details with who who they think is going to do it what means they're going to use for it and then you're going to come forward with this story you better have some evidence mm-hmm. and so I have been very strategically working with other journalists to try to move forward this story of who is the source of the L.A. Fed tapes. Because to mm. me, it's it's been terrible
1: watching the city try to tear itself apart oh, over this. Okay, real quick. I've heard Hugo. I've now heard KDL. Is there anybody on this list of reasonable suspects? The uh, LA Magazine also had listed Mark Ridley
0: Thomas and like Jose Weizar. Um, mm. None of them. None of them did it. I'm. I have. I have some confidence that it's um, Sam behind the Sam Garrison. All right. And well, I've got him on the note and on the tape. And you know, this is the beauty of journalism in America: is that when somebody pits out something on the internet, and there's literally nothing else the LAPD has that I don't. They, they executed search warrants on the accounts. There's no information on the accounts that were used that's going to help them catch this person. You have to look at the evidence itself. And so I've used classic leak investigation techniques here to analyze this. Um, I have a pivotal moment in the recording. I've got, I've got my person there, and then I've got the Note too as well. And the Sam Garrison connection to the Note is really incredible. Well
1: zachary yeah you have been incredible oh thank you may i say thanks obama yes uh but more specifically thanks zach and as our leaker says um about his old
0: boss martin ludlow at the la fed who was resigned from the city council in 2006 um remember him <laughs> yes. that, that's, that's what he says it's it's the sole question in the note is 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 about this guy martin ludlow who most people don't even remember um but who was at the center of the last la fed um la city council scandal in 2006 um, Martin Ludlow was elected in 2003. Sam Garrison becomes its communications director in 2004, 2005. And then Ludlow resigned from city council to become secretary treasurer of the LA Fed under Miguel Contreras. And then Ludlow gets um, in trouble um, for using, uh, for having illegally used campaign workers and uh, used, used
1: union workers and funds. And he gets convicted in 2000. So, so to wrap up your theory, Garrison leaked it in order to support his BFF, Crusoe. To show that City Hall's a mess, the Latinos don't have a strong leader. The White Knight, the White will come. be the will be the the champion of the Latinos. Therefore, you should hire right. him as mayor. And and, and and well, he did get more votes out of Latinos than KDL did. He did. He got forty
0: five. He got forty five percent. I mean, KDL tanked. KDL didn't hmm. even make eight percent of the primary, right?
1: barely. I and mean, the KDL never endorsed the woman. Anybody. The woman you probably voted for almost beat him.
0: I I, 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 I I did not vote in the LA election actually because I I actually live in Lawndale, outside of the city of LA. Oh. Yeah, and I have no history of political donations or or, or anything like that. Great punk rock band. This this is this is my genuine effort. Um, as a so, as a informant to a civil rights agency <laughs> who becomes aware of a felony in progress, who reports it, and I, I've cooperated with law enforcement too to at least try to get them to do something about this because. There's an LAPD felony investigation into this. There's a state attorney general investigation into the gerrymandering. Mm. But for the city of LA to be held in suspense for six months like this and to have... I, I, I applaud the protesters who go down there and denounce KDL. But one thing I'll say is it has to be peaceful. Um, last week, one person was arrested for for, for, for disruption and for um, allegedly battering, battering a police officer. Mm. Um, it's we, not smart. We, it's not smart. Like... like, like it's these tapes came out they are they're ugly what's on here is wrong Who but if we was we let who was this arrested? Turn, uh i forget this it was a protester
1: i forget his name mm. was he affiliated with anybody I i'm not sure okay uh, t- too early to tell on that one zachary so, so you do the investigation i appreciate all of you all of your efforts thank you for coming here yeah thank you for um just trying to do the right thing idealism is not dead Stay safe, um, stay peaceful, LA,
0: and let's like keep trying to make good things happen. Because like, if nobody believes in the in our ability to change this and make it better, like, why should we have any hope for change?
1: Thank you so much, my man. Thank you. How great was Zachary? You know who has never let us down, our Patreons. When you stoke us, you're saying Tony Jordan. Thank you for introducing us to people like Zach. Here's what I'd tip my waiter. So shout out to our Patreons. Nancy Rommelman, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, Barney Granke, Ben Welsh, Jen Adams, Trevor Wilson, Bree Wild, Dougie Gyro, Christina Up North, Robin Carey, Adam Shorn, Ben from Down Under, Chris from the ATX, and Gregor. To be a Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash hereinLA and give till it hurts you. Also, shout out to our Angelinos. To be an Angelino, all you got to do is PayPal or Venmo, 25 bucks or more, and we will list you on the Here in LA website or the Medium blog forever. Just send your hard-earned cash to busblog at gmail.com. Want to support us? But Christmas is right around the corner. You can still help. Post your favorite episode on your Facebook. Yeah, Go crazy and post too. Tweet something nice about this, and anytime you see his tweet, just retweet it. And for good sake, tell your friends. Tell them how Here in L.A. is spelled, and then it's on Apple Podcasts and Google and even Spotify. Here in L.A. is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and a man who has no comment about KDL. Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs in, by Oregon and Jordan Katz. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen for inspiring this, and the people who do the right thing when the right thing needs to be doomed. Thank you, Patriots! Yeah, 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 yeah.